Goose that you guys are here and that you, and that you are um, investing in your growth this way. Um, I am just so, so pleased about you and the choices that you're making. And I just want you to know we're going to do everything in our power under God's sky to make this class as profitable and beneficial for you as humanly possible. And um, just to give you a little bit of uh, background of the class, my, my greatest, pa- I'm, 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 par- I'm on the part, I'm part-time staff here. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what your grid is for me right now, and I'm talking while I'm thinking. So, um, I'm, I'm a part-time staffer here, but I've been making disciples, and by that I mean spending time with men in, in groups of one and two and three and four and five and six for the last 20 years. And that's really what, that's the main passion ministry thing of my life, is I want to raise disciples of Jesus, starting with my family, and then also with um, young men and helping them to grow up. And over the years, um, you know, if that's an an interest area of mine for for 20 years, um, I have run across a lot of things that are not helpful and I've run across golden nuggets that I think, boy, every man in the world needs to learn this stuff. And one thing that uh, I came across that was such a a light bulb flash for me was years ago in the mid-90s came across um, uh, a teacher who who presented to me some of the same stuff that you heard from Brad last night regarding the end of Hebrews 5 and the beginning of Hebrews 6 and those foundational elementary skills that we all need. And I had been a church boy for a very long time and could do pretty well in a Bible quiz, and yet I realized I don't have these skills that the writer of Hebrews seems to describe as foundational. And um, I, when I took a hard look at my life, I realized, boy, I've got huge outages here, and I think I call myself mature, but really I'm just versed in the vocabulary of church. That's really what it comes down to. But if you throw me in the deep end of a spiritually dynamic situation, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. And one of those major outages for me was all things enemy, demony, strongholdsy, spirity, any of that stuff. I grew up in a Baptist church. And we conceptually believe those things. We just don't talk about them ever. And uh, I just didn't have any way to get my head around that stuff. And so I started asking the Lord. I could look at the Scriptures, and I'll just throw this out at you. You could look at the Scriptures and see in Jesus' life about a third of everything He does is dealing with evil spirits. And I could read that in His life, and I could know that I know that it's my destiny to be conformed into His image. Romans 8, 29. It's my destiny. I know that I'm going to end up looking like Him, and yet I couldn't be more ignorant about the subject of, I'm just going to call them demons. That's what the Bible calls them. And I just couldn't be more ignorant. So we, my wife and I just started praying, Lord, You're going to have to bring us someone that knows something about this stuff. You're going to have to train us somehow. I don't know how you're going to do it. But we're just dissatisfied to be as ignorant as we are. And it's not like there were a bunch of demons 
you know, appearing to us at night or anything. It was, there wasn't any need that we felt in our lives outside of we just could see in Scripture. Jesus had this major thing in his toolkit, and I didn't have it at all. And I love Jesus and love people and blah, 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 but I don't know anything about that. Well, the first thing that the Lord did really interesting was he started giving me dreams where I would see the enemy in my dreams. Now, that's weird. Um, and that makes me a weird American, but it makes me fairly normal, biblically speaking. And I didn't know what to do with that, but over time, I, I think uh, I, I caught on. I went, to, I, I went anywhere I could to get some learning. And I eventually caught on that the Lord is trying to train you um, in a simulation, basically, the same way that Neo fought Morpheus in the Matrix. They download this thing, and then they go fight. And then, you know, I, 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 that's how I compared it in my mind, that the Lord has given me this simulation in my dreams. He's teaching me how to use His Word, because that's something you could always do in a dream. If you feel hounded by the enemy, is Lord, give me the Scriptures. Give me Your Word. Help me fight. What can I do here? Um, and so I started learning that way, and then we started getting the real thing come into our lives um, through various relationships, various problems in our own life, and we just started kind of going, well, I, I think we're supposed to pick up, I'm speaking metaphorically, we're supposed to pick up this sword and I guess just stick it here like this? Is that how we fight? And the Lord just taught us over time how to fight. And um, I'm still not as mature as I hope to be in any of the stuff that we'll talk about for as long as we do this class. I have a real ambition that the Lord has given me, and by God, I want to give it to you. I have an ambition to look just like my big brother, Jesus. I believe that it is your destiny, according to John 14, 12, which says, anybody know that verse? Somebody's mum- muttering it. What, what is it? Whoever believes in me, he will do the very same things that I have been doing. Yea, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That's what Jesus said about you and me if we believe in him. Let me tell you that verse again because you, you couldn't believe it when I told it to you just now. You couldn't believe it. John fourteen twelve says, whoever believes in me, say whoever Whoever. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the things that I have been doing. So you can read anything that Jesus does. Just read his life and go, oh, I'm, oh it's my destiny to do those things too. Oh, crap. <laughs> I am not prepared for this. I am ill-equipped. The Lord would go, ding, 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 ding. You're ill-equipped. And you're here to get equipped, Right? Grit your teeth a little bit. That's why you're here, right? Yes. Okay. And he says, and you will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says, as surely as I leave planet Earth, you're going to do greater things in my name if you believe in me. Whoa. 
and I'll repeat Romans 8, 29, we're predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. That means the Stephenness that you've got here and all of the problems that you have with dealing with me, and there are plenty if you deal with me, just deal with, just stay, if you want to just like me, just stay in the seats and don't ever, you know, get to know me personally. Just let, just let me tell a few jokes and teach Bible verses and then go like, have a great day. That's why we think our pastors are so great, because we don't know them. Um, we only see them at the very best hour of their whole week when they're on stage on the, in the spotlight being hilarious. But all of the Stephenness in me that you will have problems with, that thing has an expiration date on it. The Stephenness is going away. And the Jesusness in me is rising up. That's our story as we are maturing. I'm loving the feel in the room right now. Even the people who are kind of going, huh, huh, huh. I, I like that too. I like that too. Um, let, me, let me just, um, let, let me say, that was my introduction. Hello, I'm Stephen. Um, I want to address something here. So we have our drill group leaders in here right now. Is that so? Can I see your hands? Hey, drill group leader. Let me see the hands. Come on. I want to see you. I want to see your faces. Praise God. Bless you guys. Everybody with their hand raised, I think what they're saying, they can come beat me down if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong. Everybody with their hand raised is saying, I have been freed by this Savior and I want to help other people get free as I have been gotten free. Okay, good, great. Well, you're welcome here. Well, I, I wanted everybody in here. We called an audible at about 5 o'clock to get you guys in here because um, I've been hearing reports all day about last night. And I've heard reports from inside this room that this room felt strange to people last night, that there may have been a feel of confusion in the room. And from, I heard reports from people in the leader room that there, there might have been a weird feel in that room last night too. We got, we got one strong yes there. Okay. All right. Well, regardless, I don't know, and we don't, we're not here to take a vote to see whether you think there was a problem or not. Um, here's what I know. I know that for us to grow up in the things that um, we want to grow up in as disciples, things like learning how to repent, becoming experts at repentance, hallelujah, um, getting good at the laying on of hands, becoming equipped with regard to baptisms, being able to grow in our faith, those kinds of things, and then learning how to deal with the enemy and being able to cast off things like fear and bitterness. Uh, there's an interest level in, in unseen realms as we start getting into that stuff. And so um, I, just wanna, I just want us to kick in the teeth whatever may be opposed to our going all the way while we're taking our precious time this semester 
to seek the Lord and to grow up in His ways, which He loves. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Anne. <clears throat> so, I'm going to pray right now. I might not pray the whole time. I might speak, just declare some things, and then I might pray, and then we're going to worship a little bit. Okay? I'll explain all of this later. <laughs> it's partially what the class is about, but... You know, this is jumping in the deep end. I, I, I'm not afraid of the devil, and I don't want to concentrate my efforts on him, but we're talking about him tonight so that we'll understand what we're, what we're dealing with. So when we talk about bitterness and how to deal with bitterness, that we're all of one mind. We all, I understand. I understand what he wants to do. And then we can collectively say no in the name of Jesus. We're not walking down that road. It leads in death. You know, we're not, we're not doing that. Okay, so I'll just, I'm just going to, you can watch me if you want while I do this. I'm just going to speak. <laughs> this isn't a prayer. I, see, I believe that there is an, the uh, Bible teaches, I'm not, forget I believe, the Bible teaches there is an unseen world that's present and overlaps and intersects with the seen world. So... I have a spirit, I am a spirit, and you can't see my spirit with your eyeballs. But I am a spirit. And when this body dies, that spirit part of me will go on. And we'll probably be able to see better. I also believe that there are definitely, if there are believers in the room, there are angels in the room. That's, that's a fact. I don't spend a lot of time talking about angels but they're definitely in the room. We can't see them because they're part of this unseen world. There might also be unclean spirits in the room. They will especially be here if we allow them. All right. You don't have to agree with me yet, okay? You, you, you have to agree with me like six months from now. You don't have to agree with me right now. So I'm just going to, you just humor me as I say in the name of Jesus, if there is any spirit of confusion dizziness, fainting, doubting, cynicism, fear, hopelessness, anxiety, depression, murder, suicide, helplessness, despair, all of that BS resting on any of these people in this room, leaders or participants. In Jesus' name, I cast you out of this room. You have to leave. Now, and I just want to ask the Lord, if any of your ministering spirits would just, we just want to give them all of the tools. We want to give them all the power. And we just want you to escort out anything that will cloud anybody's minds and make them unable to receive your words. I also, I'm just saying this to you people, I take on board that the problems can often be with us. So, there could be problems with Brad, who led last night, or with Rich, who led last night. We, fine with all of that, okay? I'm not here to give a diagnosis, because none of us really knows what's going on. And anybody who is oversimplifies your headache and says, well, that's a demon, they're oversimplifying <laughs> what's going on, because we don't know. It's a really murky stew of stuff going on with your flesh and your soul and the world and the devil. And 
I don't know, I don't know how to do that stuff. That's why I really need a shepherd and a savior. He knows how to do all that stuff. So I just want to do the things that he tells me to do. So I, 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 we're going to try to be great as leaders and your drill group people. Are, they love you and they love the Lord and they're going to try to be great. And we won't be perfect. And we just want the Lord's to be comfortable here and the Lord to be present. So now if you'll agree with me, I'll just say, Lord, as a group, I, I just want to say you're the Lord. And your spirit is welcome here, not only welcome here, but we, we have to have you or we die. And we would say to you um, what Moses said, if you don't go with us, we're not going. Uh, we're not here to learn uh, Bible facts and to m- memorize Bible verses. We, we want to come into direct contact with you. And we want you to train us so that we can grow up and be just like your son. And so, uh, Spirit, we, we uh, entreat you, we implore you, we ask you as a favor that you would sit with us, that your guard would be on the mouth of everyone who speaks and leads, that you would, you would have your clutch ready to go on our hearts, that at any time you want, you can change gears you can shut us down. You can throw us in reverse. We volunteer our hearts and our mouths to you and our minds, the way that we think about this class and lead it. And um, we just want your presence to be comfortable here. So you can tell any of us anything that you want so that you would be pleased with the way that we operate here. incorruptible Holy Spirit. We, we worship you. You are the object of our desire. You are better than we could ever hope for you to be. And you reveal to us the Father heart of a good God. And we honor you above everything else. That's why these people are here. Because there's a magnet in their heart that draws them to you. You put it there. And what you're, what you're seeing with these people sitting at these tables is you're seeing a yes from them. They're, just, they're here because they're saying yes to you. All right. Well, we could keep praying like that for a long time. And I'm just going to have a sing a bit. If you ever want to deal with the enemy and you don't know what to do and you don't know the magic potion and how to rub your hands together just right to get all the demons to go away or whatever, it could just be nightmares or whatever. I, I, I have a really good prescription. Just worship. The Lord loves worship. He loves it when we put Him at the place that He deserves to be in. And when He comes, I'll put just string a couple of verses together, the Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. That means that when we worship Him, He pulls up a seat. Oh, do you mind if I sit down here? It's just like a welcome mat for God when we worship Him. Um, So I'll string that together. It says He inhabits the praises of His people. And there's another verse that says He always comes with healing in His wings. When Jesus walks in the room, 
your healing has appeared in Him. So, if you don't know how to pray for healing, no problem. Just worship. You'll get the healing. Make sense? Oh, good enough for now. Anyways, okay. You don't have to understand that or believe it. I don't care. It's all right. I'm going to worship. I'd love for you to join me. Just real simple verse. This is straight out of the Psalms. And it goes, lift up your heads. Lord, I pray that the way that we receive your word, the way that we submit and the way that we follow um, would bless your heart, would bless you. That you'd see us like your little children bringing you a, a, a terribly drawn Crayola drawing and say, I made this for you. And you'd say, I love it. That blesses my heart. That even the way that we sit under your word here tonight, the way that we receive your word, would feel to you like we're giving you a gift. And that you'd receive that as worship from us. And so I'd say to my own heart, you bless the Lord, my soul. You lift up his holy name. Amen. All right. Enough emotion. Okay. We're done with that. Thank you for thank you for being here. Drill leaders, be on your way. You guys can go to your meeting and uh, we'll start our two hour lecture now. <clears throat> thank you, drill leaders. We appreciate you. <clears throat> A smattering of applause for the drill group leaders. Drill group leaders, we love you. How about that? Um, so, so, this class is about uh, making disciples out of us. We, I want to be. I want to be a fully equipped, fully formed, fully mature disciple. God endeavors, He has an ambition to hand people like you and me the keys of the kingdom. I can't believe that's true, but I know that the Bible says it. He wants to hand us the keys to His kingdom. And He does that with His, um, he, he does that the most with His most mature sons. Does that make sense? I can give some responsibility and some authority to my four-year-old child. But to an 18-year-old who has listened and obeyed me in all sorts of areas where I've wanted to train and build and obeyed me through hard times and through suffering, I can hand everything over to that mature son. And I can say, why don't, I'll just put your name on the checks from now on. And then wherever you go, it's like I'm going there too. And then you can just sign. Uh, that's a mature relationship. And that's, that's why this class exists. I, I personally 
have a desire that every single person in here would get their names put on the checks personally. I want that for you. Um, and so what we go through in this class are those, I know you heard this last night, those six foundational um, skills that are taught at the beginning of Hebrews 6, and then we couple that with what, what I'm going to cover tonight, which is how to deal with the enemy. That's a major skill that we have to have, as I have already described. Are there any questions from what's happened here tonight already? Not challenges. You can do those through email. You'll, you'll do it in the halls after you leave anyways with your friends. But any questions? All right. I always assume I've made everything crystal clear when there are no questions. There's perfect understanding in the room. Everyone's great. That's a joke. <clears throat> okay. I'm just going to start with the, the top of the sheet, and we're just going to try to blast through dealing with uh, the enemy. God is in the process of restoring true biblical salvation to His church. The Greek word is sozo, S-O-Z-O. The Greek this comes in and out. The Greek word sozo, which we translate saved or salvation, really means three things all together. It means save, heal, and deliver. The benefit of Jesus' death and resurrection for those who believe is total salvation, healing, and deliverance. Again, God is restoring this to the church, which is largely genocide and deliverance part. We're, we're good with the concept that He'll save me in some eternal way in the sweet by and by, and that I'll get to go to heaven when I die. But as far as Him delivering me from the clutches of the devil now and experiencing healing now, we've, we have largely jettisoned that um, in the West for sure. Also, the ability to stand against, oppose, and defeat the enemy is imperative to those who seek to walk with the Spirit. So, I want to start in this, in this subject of um, salvation, getting well and truly saved, which is, by the way, the same thing as maturing. I don't know if you've ever thought it in those terms. Maturing and growing up to be like Jesus is the same thing as getting fully saved, because if you've been healed of everything, you've been delivered from the enemy and every lie that you've ever believed about God or yourself or anybody else, you're mature. And you don't speak lies. And so maturity and salvation, that process, are one and the same. And so you could say we're, the real reason this class exists is so you can get fully saved or more saveder. I want you to get more saved because you're just not saved enough and you need saving, brother. And just, getting, just hoping that you can get into heaven when you die is not good enough. I like David's words and, and Job's words. I know that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to see Him here. 
Jesus said, this is John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you might know the one true God and Jesus Christ who He sent. Where does that happen? In heaven when I die? No, 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 no. Here. I want eternal life now. I want God's promises now. And He actually likes it when people chase Him down on those things. That's the that's why he calls himself the God of Jacob, by the way, because Jacob was that kind of a SOB who ran after God and said, I'm going to get what I've got coming from you. God likes that when we tell him that. And I just think our appetite has been way too shallow because church has told us for at least 50 years, Can't come along to our services. Could you come along? We have some services on Sunday mornings and... We know we teach the Bible, teaches the Bible, maybe. Could you, could you stop, stop sinning as much? Maybe. I don't know. Come Wednesday night. We sing more Wednesday nights. Just come Wednesday night. I, I want to swear right now, but I'm not going to. I'll just say, I don't want anything to do with that. B.S. That is just half-baked BS, and I know what those letters mean. (laughs) Um, That's not the Bible. That's not salvation. That's not Jesus' life that He promises us to be overcomers and all that stuff. I want the stuff. And I, I I want to grow up to be like my big brother. That's the promise that's held out in front of me, and I want us to have that appetite. And when you hear that shallow kind of thinking, whether it's here at Crossroads or anywhere else, I want you to have the spiritual cojones to get your elbows out and go, get out of my way. I'm, I'm headed for him, and you're not going to stop me. So that's one of my spiritual gifts. <clears throat> I don't know what that is. Orneriness. Okay. So we're going to start with the history of Satan real quick. There's two main passages in all of Scripture that give us the most backstory on Satan. And those two that are listed there, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. We don't have time to read them right now, but I'm going to hit the high points for you. He was once in heaven, anointed as a guardian cherub. There wasn't always a devil. At one time, there was just perfect unity in heaven. He was the perfection of beauty and full of wisdom. Let me say that again. This is part of who he is. Perfection of beauty. Anybody here interested in beauty? Do beautiful things ever grab your attention? Yes. Well, that's, that's the Lord's doing, and yet there's a perversion, can be. The perfection of beauty and full of wisdom. The stories in Isaiah and Ezekiel were written about something that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. They happened before the idea of years was concocted in God's brain. They were before years. He was full of wisdom then. He's been watching humanity as long as humans have been around. Do you think he knows a thing or two about the way that you operate? Do you think that you are full of wisdom the way that he is full of wisdom? Everybody say, no. 
He is full of wisdom. He's incredibly intelligent and crafty, more than you and I will ever be. And if we have a good shepherd and we know We just have to know the voice of our shepherd. But I want you to appreciate this about your enemy. He's perfect in beauty and full of wisdom. That concerns me. I don't know how you feel when you hear that. That's concerning to me. Those are two strikes against me that he has. His heart became proud on account of his beauty, and his wisdom became corrupted because of his splendor. He was cast out of heaven, you might know that, expelled, and now all who are aware of him are appalled at him. That's what the Scripture says. It seems really simple to say, if you're not appalled at the enemy, you are not aware of him. And that's one thing I want to help you towards tonight. I want you to be as appalled at him as you can possibly be. Because if you're not appalled, you're not aware. Because he's a monster. Did I fill in that blank, the history of Satan? Okay. Revelation 12 says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He leads the whole world astray. Does he leave those idol worshipers in Africa astray? Yes. Does he, does he lead those money lovers and self-lovers in America astray? Has he led the members of your family astray? Do he lead your parents astray? Has he led you astray? You should be doing this. Yes. Because he leads the whole world astray. Well, he ought to. He's got great tools for doing just that. He's powerful. He's got a whole army behind him. He's beautiful and he's wise. He was hurled to the earth and dun, 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 his angels with him. I'll do the microphone dance up here. And his angels with him. He has an army. I'm going to just throw this out because I don't think it's anywhere else in our notes. This was cut out as we. Tra- this this class tonight used to be two nights. Just this. Um, the Bible gives us the names of all sorts of demons, and they have specific names. So it will say things like a spirit of lying came into this man, and then he started lying. Jesus often would cast out a mute and dumb spirit from a person, and then that person could speak. Do you see? That's a name given to that spirit. So the boy wasn't mute until the spirit that was mute came in and ruled in him. So the Bible gives us the names of dozens of these spirits, and I've gone to great pains once before to catalog every single one of them. There's a spirit of dizziness, there's a spirit of whoredom, there's a spirit of lawlessness, there's a spirit of rebellion, you name it. 
There, there's a spirit that makes people have seizures. I know that might be hard to believe, but that's what the Bible says. He came with his angels. Now, I want you to understand who is Satan to you. Revelation 12.10 is the very next verse of that passage. It says, Satan is the accuser. That's what the word Satan means. Satan isn't actually a title. It's just the word accuser. He is the accuser. That's his move. He is the accuser of the brothers, and he accuses them before God day and night. Have you ever had that feeling that maybe God is displeased with me or I'm not good enough for God? And I'm, well, I said my little Jesus prayer, and I tried to receive him in my heart and whatever they tell me to do, and yet I feel unclean somehow. There are unclean spirits in the Bible, and, and his whole job is to accuse you. So, well, you may have received Jesus, and God might say that you're perfect in his sight, but you're a mess. You're a disaster. <clears throat> and his great move is that he tempts you towards sin through thoughts or any all number of things. Tempts you towards sin. It's not to get you to sin. It's not any, he doesn't get any great thrill out of that. When you sin, it gives him the right to accuse you. You lied to her again. You said you were never going to lie to her again. You sucker. You know God? You don't love God. You see that? You did it again. You're a loser. Because he's an accuser. This is his move. Now, the Lord convicts of sin. He does. Praise God. But he doesn't do it like that. Actually, Isaiah talks about doing away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. What the Lord does is he puts his arm around you and he goes, we got a problem here, son. You're drinking poison again. Can't do that. I love you, so from now on, you're going to have to stop this thing, and I want to meet you there. Oh, okay, well, that's different. When you feel condemnation and accusation, it's not the Lord. It's the devil, because that's what he does. Jesus said that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. And he is the father of lies. He's a murderer and a liar. I'm just going to blast through these and then we'll make some observations. First Peter, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, consume. You could put the word eat there if that helps you understand the verse. He's looking for someone to consume, to devour, to eat. <clears throat> John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. How might he set about destroying you? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And the devil knows the rules. He knows if I can lure you towards sin, you will die. Oh, that works out great for me because I'm a murderer. I like things to die. He's a killer. And the wages of sin is death. So if I can just lead you to the delicious 
beautiful, wise-looking waters of sin, well, you can just dig your own grave. It works out great. Ephesians 4.27 says, Do not give Satan a beachhead. <clears throat> a beachhead is what we fought and lost so many lives to develop on D-Day. We just wanted a beachhead at Normandy Beach. If we can get a beachhead, we can win this war. And it might cost us 10,000 lives to get that beachhead. But guys, when we get that beachhead, we got hope. And we can win the war if we just get the beachhead. Paul commands us, pleads with us, do not give Satan a beachhead. Don't give him the smallest piece of land in your heart. Why would he say that? Because the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. There's never been a time where the enemy has said, oh, you'll just you'll give me a little spot pornography in your life? That's great. That's all I wanted. That's cool. Okay, we're good here. Never happened before. The enemy, when he grabs his little beachhead, he goes, and now we operate. And he starts to dissect you. And he starts to rewire you from the inside out because he has a little home that you've given him in your heart. So if you treasure that grudge that you hold against that person from high school, you treasure the little unforgiveness you have against dad. I'll never forget that thing that he said to me. I'll never forgive him for it. And you think you're being so brave and strong by holding on to that thing. What you're doing is you're just going, here's a little beachhead just for you. You can just come right here, enemy. Now, now, can we make a deal, enemy? Okay, it's just going to be about my hatred for my father, right? Cool? Just there? Okay, cool. And he's like, yeah, it'll just be about your dad. Because he's a liar. And he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he won't stop until you're dead and destroyed. N not only that, your family line is dead and destroyed. He wants every remnant of you and your walk with God to be removed from the planet. And this is a shaking of his fist at the, at the risen Messiah. He hates the Lord and he hates his bride. That's me. And he wants to take me out to hurt my heavenly husband. And the Lord is interested in protecting us from that affront. But I want you to understand very clearly, even if you don't believe me, I want you to hear me say, the Bible says... Whatever comes against you, whether it's sin or some kind of attack, it could, it, could be an, it could be something physical. It could be auto accident, financial problems. The enemy has an intention toward you. You ever heard the Lord God has a wonderful plan for your life? The devil has a very specific plan for your life, and it ends with a graveyard. You don't really, I know you don't really believe me on that because we just think that there's a little angel on your shoulder and a little devil on your shoulder and the devil goes, take another drink. Let's get drunk tonight. It'll just be fun. And we think that's the end of the story. 
I shouldn't have gotten drunk. I did get drunk. But you know what? I sobered up today all is well. That's not how the enemy works. He makes everything seem like it's short-term and temporary and low-cost. And when we agree to that, he comes in and he sets up shop. Always. That's his move. Whether you agree with me or not, am I making myself clear? Because I'll say it again, but I don't want to. Okay, great. If you understand, I'll just move on. And I want you to understand in that 1 Peter 5, 8 verse, that the devil thinks it's nutritious to him to eat you alive. There's no mercy in him. He loves it. When, 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 um, when, when people go through and kill, uh, kill pregnant women and then rip open their bellies and then destroy the child from in their belly, he, he thinks that's great. That's, this is perfect. He, he loves to devour people. So at whatever worst pain moment of your life, he's got the biggest grin on his face. I, 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 wish you, I wish you could see that. He loves death for you. He's a murderer, and he'll lie through his teeth in order to get you to that place of despair and doom and death. So, be strong in the Lord, says Ephesians 6, and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's a military word. Schemes. He's thought this through. He is not making it up as he goes along. He has a strategy against you. We can take our stand against his schemes, however. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Now, I'm, 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 I'm just going to just give you the list here. Rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is a military arrangement of forces that you're hearing. He's smarter than you. He's bigger than you. He's been longer than you. And he will ever He knows more about you more about you than you'll James, I wouldn't be opposed to just doing a handheld. He knows more about you than you'll ever know. I want you to have a proper respect of him and understand his power so that you would never rely on your own in a hope of defeating him. You don't have a prayer against him. Let me go to a movie again. You remember at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, I showed this deal on Mordor? Thank you, Mordor. Thank you, James. I don't remember what happened. Oh, there was like some big thing that got killed. I don't know, some, some wizard or whatever they have in those movies. This thing got killed, and there was this wave that went out, and the, and the sound goes, and when it did this wave, just blew through all these armies, and everybody was just destroyed. They just destroyed. When this wave went through, it was like an atomic bomb. Don't care how strong you are. Don't care how prepared you are. 
how smart you think you are, done. That's us against the enemy. We have no protection against him. Unless we have a savior who's greater than he is. And maybe he would give us his signet ring. And he would say, wherever you go, my presence goes with you. Now you're talking. Well, then we can't be destroyed. If I don't appear in my own strength and my own power, but I'm walking around, I'm a representative of a king who dominates you. Oh, well, that's good. But I, I want you to see in this passage that our struggle is, is not against flesh and blood. So we'll be talking about all sorts of things in this class, like your bitterness against your mother-in-law. And I want you to know your mother-in-law is not your enemy. Well, you don't know what she said to me that time. I, I know, I know. She was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Okay. But she's not your enemy. Your enemy is pulling the strings behind the scenes and is playing her like a puppet master. That's your enemy. And she might agree with him a lot and cause you problems, but she's not the enemy. This verse says so. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against unseen powers. Your boss is not your problem. I know. He's a jackass. I got it. I got it. There's a puppet master that is your enemy. And I want us to understand that because we're going to be talking about all sorts of physical, you know, like in the flesh kind of problems in here. And we believe that we, have, we are at war, but it's not with flesh and blood. It's things that are behind the scenes, pulling the strings. In the kingdom of darkness, next page, there are ranks, battle plans, ammunition, power, targets, and a goal. Satan has a malicious setup to take you out, thwart God's plan to redeem mankind, humiliate Jesus as incapable of conquering with love, and destroy the object of God's love, people like you and me. This team, once they get in and operate, create strongholds. That's a military term. If you get a beachhead, you occupy some territory, and then you fortify that territory. That's called a stronghold. Now you can't get at my stuff. Now this once was your property, but now it's my property, and you won't take it from me. Because we've set up battlements, and we've set up protection, and we have ammunition. That's a stronghold. Having a demon, quote, is the same thing as a stronghold. The enemy comes in and takes hold of something. And no matter what you do or how hard you try, you can't seem to feel free of it. Patterns of thought, patterns of behaviors. You might feel stuck and think if you pray harder, work harder, it might go away, but it might be an evil spirit. And we need to deal with those the way that Jesus did. So example, the Garden of Eden, we don't have time to read that. But what happens in the Garden of Eden is fascinating. Adam and Eve disobey. And this series of things happens to them that is just incredible. The, the first thing is that they feel shame about themselves. Now, shame had never existed before. I don't know how long they lived before this happened, but they'd never felt shame before. And they felt shame all of a sudden. Wow, there's a presence of something that we feel we feel not good. We feel like we're not good. Where'd that come from? We never felt that before. 
Then a spirit of accusation comes in, and they start doing this to each other. Uh, oh, him. She goes, uh, uh, him. And there's all of this blaming going on. And then they have this thing that they've never felt before, which is fear towards their father. Suddenly, I mean, if you're too familiar with the story, you can't really appreciate how weird this is. Take a bite of fruit, and suddenly you want to hide from somebody. Boy, that's weird. That doesn't follow to me. That, that, That doesn't make sense. I took a bite of fruit, and suddenly I want to go hide because I'm afraid. What's going on there? Well, I think we see in rapid succession the entry of all of this garbage that comes into the scene that's never been there before. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredibly historic moment, what happened there. And the, I mean, something in the cosmos moved when they disobeyed for the first time. It's, just, it's an incredible story of, wow, there was this purity, and then suddenly we're experiencing all these things we never experienced before. Where did that come from? Nobody taught us how to do that stuff. And, and God actually says to them, who told you you were naked? Somebody told them that. Who, who might have done that? Perhaps the accuser of the brothers who said, you guys are naked, and it's not right there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with you. And God comes down and goes, well, who, who told you that you should be ashamed? Huh. It was the accuser. It was the enemy. These evil spirits create separation from God. Separation from God. From self. You get separated from yourself. Then from others. We're divided, isolated, and alone. Easy killings. You watch those nature programs, and there's beasts are always after the, you know, there's some predator that's after the flock or whatever, the herd that's running through the tundra and assures the world there's going to be one that just goes off, and boy, we got you now. Now, all of our attention is on the one that left. So isolation and division is always the move of the enemy. Always. And he wants you divided from God to feel like I'm apart from him. I'm so far from God. I I can never return to him. He doesn't love me. He wants you divided from God. He wants you divided from yourself so that you hate yourself. I'm disappointed with me. There are parts of me that I need to shut down because they're so perverse and they're so wrong. And, you know, so we start doing all this cutting of ourselves and, and, and being isolated from ourselves. You ever seen people who, <clears throat> for whatever reason, through, from pain in their childhood, they shut down emotion. It happened in childhood because emotions always hurt them. So they just shut that thing down. And for the rest of their life, they are like robots. Where are, where's the emotion? Well, they're divided against themselves. My parents have a next-door neighbor. It's an incredible story of awful. It's an awful story of, um, of um, the enemy winning, basically. And um, they, had one, they had one of these, they had a neighbor who she had 38 distinct personalities. And 
her husband every night. He just didn't know who he would come home to. And if there was nobody there when he had come home, then he knew that the prostitute had taken over his wife and she could be gone for weeks at a time and come back home and now it's the seven-year-old girl who she's so sorry and sad about what she's done. I mean, you talk about the enemy just playing remote control with somebody's life and all of the division that happens in us. That's somebody isolated against themselves. And of course, the enemy always wants to isolate us from other people. And we have to come to this place. Like, why is, why is there this power in, like, confessing your sins to each other? I mean, there's something hugely powerful about confessing our sins to each other and saying, I had this thought about my wife. I wanted to kill her. And I'm not joking when I say that. I thought about how I would kill her. Can I tell you about it? Uh, you're weird. <laughs> no, tell me about it. You're, you must be broken. Oh, you're broken. Oh, okay. I'm broken too. I'll listen to your story if you let me tell you one of my stories. And when we, when we are real with each other and we come into unity, there's, God is present there. He likes that. He likes unity. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We are able to just share our hearts and not pretend anymore and get real. That's what you're going to do with your drill groups. You're going to be gut honest with them. And if you're not prepared to go there, get prepared. Because you're going to tell stories to your drill group that you've never told anybody before. And I mean, if you have secrets. If you don't have any secrets, then, yeah, whatever. Um, but that's going to be a safe place for you to talk through old standing issues. I got raped in college, and I never told anybody about it. I just got to get this off my chest. Okay, well, we'll sit here for an hour while you cry and work your way through this story. Let's go. And then we'll deal with the places that the enemy has been taking you out because of those secrets and those lies that you've held on to. And if you have old secrets that you've held on to, you believe lies. That's a fact. If you have old secrets that you've never felt that you could tell anybody, you believe some lies about yourself and about how people would receive you and about whether it's healthy or whole or life-producing to just be really known by somebody. There's probably a spirit of rejection there if you're not willing to tell all your stories. Because you think, if I let the real me be known, I'll be cast out of this friendship or this marriage or whatever. <laughs> BS. Not true. How did Jesus deal with demons? Oh, we'll give a break here in a second. Luke 4.33. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon. I love this verse. I'm going to get loud in a second. It was a man possessed by a demon and an evil spirit. He cried at the top of his voice, Ha! I won't scream the rest of it, but I think it's hilarious that the Bible puts that word in there. He, he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. 
all the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. So let's review. How does Jesus cast out demons? Here's the magic words. Ready? Be quiet. Okay, I think I can get that one together. Come out of him. Okay, good. So how much of a religious lather do you need to work yourselves into according to religious cable TV to get a demon out of somebody? Uh, Jesus used words like, shut up, leave. Ta-da! Because Jesus commanded demons simply and with total authority. If you have authority, if you're the boss, you walk by somebody's cube and you say, have that to me at noon. And you just keep walking by. And they go, well, you're in charge, so yes. It doesn't have to be a long explanation, a lot of discussion. How do you feel about having that to me at noon? Is that good? Is that going to work out with your schedule there? Now, here's the thing. Here's where my authority comes from. I was hired back in 98. I started as a middle manager, and I worked my way. I got a lot of promotions along the way, and I've ended up in a position over you. And um, I was wondering if maybe, in, in respect to my position, you'd be willing to get that to me at noon. That's what we do with demons for some reason. And Jesus just goes, you don't do that. Stop doing that. And it came out with a shriek, and everybody went, who's this guy? He doesn't heal like other people do. Could we do what Jesus did? Luke 9. Jesus had called the 12 together. He gave them power and, oh, snap. He gave it to them. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Go get them, boys, he says. And, I'll, and I'll, let me encourage you with something. They didn't do as good a job as he would have done. He just gave them his authority and he said, you'll do great. Go get them. And they were like, well, uh, uh, you demons get out of him. <laughs> and I'm sure they were much clumsier at the process than Jesus would have been. I, I bet they had less success than he would have had because of their misunderstanding or whatever. And he, he's cool with that. Jesus is just really cool with that. He, it's his pleasure. I don't think we're going to see this verse tonight. Somewhere in Mark. It's his pleasure to give the kingdom to infants like us. And that's the word that's used in the Bible is infants. Little babies who mess their drawers. That's what he thinks of you. Pat you on the back. It's his pleasure to give the kingdom to little infants like me and you. And he goes, I know you're going to crap the bed. And it's okay. Just go get him, tiger. He'll be fine. Okay, if you'll go with me, we can do it. And he goes, yeah, I'm giving you my power and my authority. Okay, great. The 72 returned with joy. Oh, yeah, we've been delegated authority. That's the good news. Same word. We've been delegated authority. That's what he had. That's what he gave us. The 72 returned with joy. 
Ooh, they were grinning like the butcher's dog. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Ha ha! And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Whew. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What he's, I, I think what he's saying there is, um, guys, all of this good stuff, these fringe benefits come from your identity with me. If you need to zero down on one thing, don't zero down on casting out demons. That is a wonderful side benefit. It's a peripheral. If you want to zero down on something, you zero down on your sonship before your father. That's where all the juice comes from. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. I, I, I rather like, you know, worshiping the Lord, especially when we see victory, you see somebody healed. I, I just, oh, let me finish this thought and I'll tell you a story. I love saying back to God, God, you gave us power over HIV. We saw it healed. Hallelujah. I love that, but... I think the purer, the purer worship is saying, you receive me as your son. You call me your son. I'm yours. I'm yours. And the fact that I can see victory in all these other areas, that, that, that is, that's somewhere way down. That's one of the tributaries. But the river is sonship and identity with my father. That's the river. Um. She's one of your, I'm, I, we'll probably get her up here uh, at some point during this class, so I, I'll give away the punchline here, but <clears throat> she's, uh, she's one of your uh, drill group leaders, and um, she made it into this class um, by the skin of her teeth. I mean, her life was falling apart. Um, her name's Deanna. Her marriage was falling apart. It had fallen apart. Um, and I, I don't want to disgust you with the kind of thoughts that ran through her head in, in a normal time, but they were full of suicide and um, self-destruction and you name it. And um, she just started walking through some of this stuff and just letting the Lord talk to her and learning how to stand for herself and learning how to shore up some of the places that had been weak and destroyed and re-erecting walls that had been destroyed by the enemy. You know, the, the ability to say no. Titus, the book of Titus says that the Spirit of God teaches us how to say no. Like we don't know how to say no to the temptation of the world or the flesh or the enemy unless the Holy Spirit comes and teaches us. And she started learning how to say no. She started re- some, erecting some walls um, God started training her as a disciple, and she, she just came up to me right before this class, and she walked up to me, and she said, it's for real, and she was showing me that her husband had not only come back home and moved into her house, but after, I think, living together for another three months, he finally gave her her wedding ring back, and he said, we're really married again, and she's like, this is for real. This healing stuff is for real. I was like, 
Deanna, will you please lead one of our, our critical skills drill team groups forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Just keep leading them forever because I want everybody to get whatever you got because she's been healed and her life has been put back together. Um, I'll explain, my, I'll explain what I said also, another great story. I had a friend, <coughs> I had a friend named Scott, and Scott had lived in homosexuality for years, and um, he had HIV for a long time. And he came to the Lord here, and I bumped into him here, and our, the way we met was really interesting. And he just said, I just want you to, would you mind showing me how to read the Bible? And um, we started spending time together. And he started spending time with my family. And then I just had regular time with him. He's, he was a part of our community. I say, I'm saying all this in the past tense because he's moved away recently. Um, he, just, he just started experiencing the benefits of being part of the family. Love. Grace, prayer, whatever his fears were, we just lay hands on him and deal with his fears. Gone. And um, he he did a regular checkup um, at the doctor, and he he always hated going to the doctor because he didn't want the consequences of now you're gonna what what what's gonna happen to me? How long am I going to the hospital? And um, he went to the doctor, and this <clears throat> doctor said. He, you know, he have to like, I don't know, he fill out some form, we have to confess, are you HIV? And he's, sure, yes, I am. And the, after his exam or whatever, they looked at his blood and came back to him and said, um, I don't know who's told you that you're HIV, um, but you've, there's no possibility that you have ever been HIV because it doesn't go away and it's in every cell and it's not. There's nothing... There's, there's nothing anywhere, and whatever numbers would indicate that you have HIV, then none of those numbers are there. And he's like, I've been going to doctors for a long, a very long time, and I know that I have had this. And they're like, you don't, you don't have it now. And he said, I have a good Savior, and he heals people. And when he comes in the door, he walks in the door with healing in his wings. And Jesus just doesn't really... Uh, appreciate the difference between your spiritual problems and your physical problems. He, he just has the ability to doink, 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 just wipe them all out. And uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about more physical stuff here in a second. But I, I just want you to know that I have experienced life by walking through the avenues that we're trying to lay out for you. And we've seen a lot of wonderful things happen. And you can, your drill group leaders will be telling you their stories. And they are, they've experienced the Lord as well. Um, so he gives us authority, and we're going to start learning how to walk in it. And now I break thee. And I'm going to break you for, you know, not very long, seven or eight minutes. So if you need bathroom or a drink or something, go get it. I would encourage everybody to stand up out of your seat and move around. All right, come on in. I've only got you for so long. Goodness knows I can talk. I'll just keep on talking.
Is that music still going? No. All right. Just to finish out this side of this sheet, John 14, 12, I did that already. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what the good book says. Resist the devil and he will run from you. That's because he respects the ring. Now then, let's get into this. Oh, yeah. Let's finish this. Jesus' expectation and that of the early church was that we would all actively oppose Satan, the thief, and reclaim stolen property from him. Dealing with demons was a fundamental part of Jesus' ministry, and we are called to continue the fight. Satan's victory against us will continue and increase if we sit idly by and refuse to challenge it with our authority. We need only recognize that we, we are, have been, in agreement with our enemy, repent and walk away. Uh, I have a, an old friend named uh, Don Morrison, and he is the, one of the most prophetic-y prophetic prophet guys ever. If you spent uh, 20 minutes around Don, you would agree with me. He's uh, 87 now. And um, <laughs> Don's one of these guys that he just, he knows the score. He knows what's going on now. And he'll, he would know your doo-doo. Uh, he just, he could just read your mail. I, well, I don't know what to say, but this guy's got it. He's, he's a prophet, and he's a wonderful man, loves the Lord. He's great, 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 great guy. Been a great friend to me. And um, Don, the, let's see, Romans 5, just to give you a little insight about spiritual gifts, Romans 5 says that God's gifts and his callings are without repentance, or they're irrevocable, the NIV says. They're irrevocable. What that means is the gifts, the spiritual gifts that you have, they were in you when God was knitting you together. They've always been there in you. And they can get activated by the Holy Spirit, you know, coming, you know, coming into contact with you and your gifts. But um, you had those gifts you know, before you ever thought of using them for the Lord or anything else. The gifts were always there. So, Don's story is that uh, early on in his life, he was a warlock. Great, Don. Great move. So he was a warlock and into all sorts of crap, you know, demonic, occultic garbage. And... um so he ran around with witches and all of those kinds of people. And uh, not healthy. Not healthy for old Don. And he used to use his gifts because he understood people and he knew what people were thinking. And he'd even have insight into their past and all sorts of stuff. And he just manipulated people his whole life and tried to control them. And uh, he was a mess. I'm, I'm just giving you a little bit of Don's background to let you know what Don says about the world of spirits and uh, prophecy, I tend to take rather seriously. And he's one of the most devoted guys to the scriptures I've ever met. 
Um, he won't even, he wouldn't teach you, think of teaching you about prophecy without just going, well, let's start. He's from Fort Worth. Well, let's start with, let's go to Ephesians 5, Steve. I know, I know what Ephesians 5 says, Don. Let's just talk. Let's look at what the scriptures say as if he's never seen it before. You know, like, well, let's just, it's going to be so exciting to get into the Bible. He's great. He's great. Anyways, I'm saying all that to say. Don has told me that um, witches and warlocks, when they walk into a room, they will often know who the believers are in the room. They can see who they are, and they merely will try to sidestep them and not address them um, because um, they're not afraid of them. They know that there's kind of a latent power there that they don't really want to mess with. But they're not worried about Christians in the room because, as Don says, about 90% of the time, none of the Christians are going to know how to access any of the power that they're sitting on. And they certainly won't use it. And so all you have to do is just kind of avoid them. Yeah, that sucks. It makes me mad. Um, I wish that if a warlock walked in the room, he'd go, oh, there's Stephen Manuel again. Because he knows we're going to mix it up, bro. And if you're, if you're in my space and you're bringing the enemy in, you've got to go. And we're going to deal with it. And um, this, uh, this is challenging to me that, that um, this statement, Satan's victory against us will continue and increase if we sit idly by and refuse to challenge it with our authority. That's what most of us have done for most of our lives. We just sit by, or we let the enemy construct railroads in our lives, and we just let him do his thing and sit by passively and think, the best thing I can do as a Christian is try to be nice to mean people. I have no time for that. Poo on that. Fie on that hell. I can say that. It's not the Lord. The Lord's intention for you is... Uh, I can't pull this verse up. It might be Psalm 133 again. I'm not sure exactly where it is. He trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. That's what the Lord wants for you. Now, if you hang around me a little bit, you'd also know I'm not spending all of my time, Jesus, demons, all the time. That's not my move. I'm walking through life enjoying Rocky Road ice cream, you know. I, I'm hanging around, and I'll be checking NBA scores tonight. You know, I'm somewhat normal in some ways. Um, but... If the enemy crosses my path, it's like, oh, snap, just a second. You all sit, out, sit down over there. I got some business to do. And I want to be able to engage if the enemy comes my way. And you can be darn sure that if I sniff any enemy under the roof of my house, he's going to get it between the teeth. And I don't care, I don't care if we have to fast for weeks on end. We're going to get that dealt with. And we're going to split it right down the head. I, I want that to be all of us. I don't know what's happening in my family. There seems to be death everywhere. Everybody's dying. 
Shoot, I hope we don't die. Everybody take aspirin tonight. We can do better than that. He gave all power and authority to his men, and he said, go get them, tiger. And we need to start taking some good hard swings at chopping down this tree. Because something's been stolen from the church, and it ain't right. And we're going to take it back. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Okay. For though we live in the world, what an awesome passage. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That works out great. Thanks, God. He wants to set up strongholds. You'll give us the power to demolish strongholds. That's wonderful. That's convenient. And it's a great coincidence that he lets us destroy the very things the enemy wants to set up. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now that is disciple talk right there. That's follower, soldier, warrior, disciple talk. And I like that talk. That's where we're going, everybody. That's where we're going, that passage. Now, I want to address this up front because there's not going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of teaching on this as we start processing through a particular issue like fear. Um, and it's the spiritual roots of disease. Um, I just want you to understand this, what the scripture says about it, so that as we process through, for instance, when we, when we, when you, we deal with fear, we're going to teach some very, we're just going to throw out things like, we want you to know what some physical diseases that spring from fear are. So asthma would be one that it has its roots in fear, often, not always. I'm not giving you a one-to-one -one often. It's what people have seen a lot. Um, uh, hives come from fear. A lot of allergies come from fear. A lot of tumors come from fear. Um, Fear is an interesting one because I could actually prove that to you scientifically. Science has brought us this. Eventually, science reveals the Bible often. I find that. I collect these articles where USA Today will go, well, it turns out, I actually have one on what I just said. It turns out that asthma is connected to children who are afraid and full of anxiety. And I'll just go, I'll just take that article. Thank you very much. And I just kind of collect them for this class particularly. But there are other ones that wouldn't be as obvious to you, where there are, there are spiritual roots to diseases, and you go, well, I don't know if you can prove that. Okay, fair enough. But what I, what I want you to know is that where we're getting our information that we present to you, we're getting from people who have been in the business of fighting for healing and deliverance for people for like 40 years. And so what they've seen over and over and over and over and over again, we just, we just want to believe them 
and we want to piggyback on them. So Henry Wright has this story of um, these women coming up to him and saying, we have arthritis in our hands and we want you to, he- we know you're in the healing business and we want you to heal this. There's three little old ladies and they wanted him, and so I'm talking like this for some reason, and they wanted him to heal their um, arthritis in their hands. And we all have arthritis. And Henry's res- response to them was, number one, I don't heal anybody. I can't heal anybody. But two, um, I'm not going to pray against your arthritis because every one of you have unforgiveness in your hearts. And that unforgiveness is the root of your arthritis. And if you would deal with that, you wouldn't have arthritis. That's what he said. Now, I'm not, that's a little strong. But uh, from what I understand, Henry is a pretty tough character. And um, after they got over their hurt feelings, I think they went back and met with him again. And they all said, okay, we've been talking. Yeah, we all have unforgiveness issues. And he's like, okay, well, let's deal with those. And they dealt with, <clears throat> repented of unforgiveness and forgave people and dealt with it. And the arthritis didn't have a leg to stand on. It was a disease that was there piggybacking on the spirit of unforgiveness and hardness. You see how unforgiveness could make you hard? Varicose veins are supposed to be rooted in unforgiveness as well. Hardness. And they all went like, I guess our hands are good now. And they were. They were all healed. So I'm not going to draw a one-to-one always. If you have asthma, you have a spirit of, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm just bringing you the findings. This is what has happened over and over. So what we do is every week that we get together and we cover something like fear, we're just going to report to you, here have been those physical diseases that have been found repeatedly to have their roots in fear. We're just going to throw out a list to you. And what we want you to do is as you kind of, as we talk about fear and what it looks like and what it does, you'll start to connect dots in your family story. You go, wow, we do that in my family. Wow, why is it that I have to check twice that the doors are locked every night before bed? Oh, where does that, I thought I was just a really thoughtful person. I thought I was just really smart. Um, you know, whatever your little fear moves you are. And you, <clears throat> you start connecting the dots and you go, wow, and three of those diseases you mentioned have killed my relatives. That's what killed my grandmother. Huh, that's why my uncle died. And we just want to use them as evidence for you. And so eventually you could string together the evidence and go, I'm just going to say there's fear in my family. Okay. Well, I can tell you what to do. I know how to get free. Repent. It's real easy. So the spiritual roots of disease. Deuteronomy 7, I would love to read this passage with you. It is so awesome. Deuteronomy 7 describes the process of doing spiritual warfare in the land God gives us, our souls. God says he'll not drive them out all at once. Would you please underline that? He will not drive them out all at once. As this class goes along, you're going to have some significant light bulbs come on for you. And it is going to be thrilling for you to finally understand what's been happening in my family. It's, a, it's awesome. You will get disillusioned 
however, by thinking that just understanding it for the first time means that it's all going to go away permanently and forever. I don't want you to be disillusioned like that, and I want you to understand the way that the Lord does it. This says, the scriptures say, in Deuteronomy 7, he'll not drive them out all at once. It'll be a process. And the language that he uses, actually, in Deuteronomy 7, is he's talking about the land that Israel is coming into. And he says, I'm not going to give it all to you all at once, because if I gave it to you too quickly, you wouldn't be able to manage the land. You don't know how to manage that much land. And it would be overrun by wild animals. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it to you a little bit at a time. And you make sure that as you go, you make no alliances. You don't make any allegiances with any tribes that have ever lived there, and I'll give you more land. And as you get more land, I want you to set up shop there and set up your homes, set up communities, and then I'm going to give you more land. And eventually, you're going to take over the whole nation. Hallelujah. You're going to take it over. But it's going to be a little bit of time because you can't handle it all at once. So even though... I know, as sure as I have a watch and a calendar, every two weeks we're going to hit on a new topic in here. That's not, the, that's not how your life is going to work. God's not going to hit on a new topic every two weeks. You're going to learn something new every two weeks. But he's probably more like going to deal with rejection for the next nine months of your life. And then you'll see that rejection kept you from understanding how much you're motivated by fear. And that'll be the next year of your life. And he'll probably do it really slow like that and just, un, just unpack for you why you do what you do. And he'll eventually you know, disarm the enemy in all these places. He also links the absence of our enemies with physical healing. You can read that passage for yourself. He actually lists all these diseases. This isn't by any means the only Bible passage that makes a connection between demonic activity and physical freedom. Matthew 17, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the... Well, hold on a second. This guy just came and gave physical symptoms to Jesus. I got a kid that has seizures. He falls into the fire or into the water. And Jesus said, there's a demon here. I'll just rebuke the demon. And he did. And it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Hey, that sounds great. How many tens of thousands of dollars have gone down the drain in your house trying to deal with whatever diseases? Now, I'm not saying it's definitely a demon it might be. It might be as simple as the Lord saying, shut up and leave him alone. And I, we just want to walk through that process and start going like, Lord, we just want you to pronounce your judgments over us. What's going on in me and in my family? Why do I make the same dumb decisions I always do? Why do I keep coming back to the same lies and accusations about myself? Maybe there's something there. That's what he did there. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's a weird connection in the scriptures between your spirit and your body. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. Uh, 
I don't know if that's leukemia. There's some bone malady that has to do with a crushed spirit, according to that Bible verse. And I've listed a whole bunch of other verses for you that make that same connection. We believe that there are often spiritual roots of physical disease. It seems the USA Today publishes articles at least monthly that make this connection as well. Poor self-image causes obesity. Fearful children develop asthma. Rejection produces depression. Stress and adrenaline produce tumors, etc. Peb Smith and Henry Wright, <clears throat> they're two people I trust, estimate 85% of all illness is spiritual. We don't believe that all sickness is demonic in nature, nor that medicines and doctors are always bad. Peb Smith is a doctor. He's a friend of mine. We believe that all illness should be brought to God, though. Peb's uh, experience was um, that, he kept, that he practiced medicine for you know, 35 years. And he had people come into his office, and as he grew in maturity with the Lord, he started seeing some of these things. Somebody come in with back problems, and he's starting to do all medication and stuff. In the back of his mind, he's like, I feel like the Lord's told me that this is not a physical deal. There's a spiritual deal. And eventually, he's just like, I know I could like, lose my license for this. But he just started telling people, this is a spiritual reality. I, I'm sorry. There's something spiritual going on with your back. And if, I, if you'll just let me pray in Jesus' name, I can heal you. I'm like, okay, let's try it. Okay, here's what the Lord's showing me, that there's, you know, rejection or whatever. There's a spirit of performance that you got into a long time ago in your career. I'm just going to pray it off if you'll agree with me. Okay, Jesus' name, performance, be gone from this person. And people would go, I'm healed. My back's great. You go, okay, you can see the receptionist on your way out. Thanks for coming. And that started happening over and over and over for my friend Peb. And he just started exploring all this stuff. He actually went to Pleasant Valley, and he just came to the conclusion of the scriptures, which is that there must be a connection between these things. So, strong men. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says that we should be seeking to distinguish between spirits. That means being able to identify them. One way to do that is to know which are strong men and which are underlings. Now, underlings is not a bible That's not a bible word. That's a made-up word for us to describe the structure of demons. There are some strong men. They're big dogs. They... They have a real place of prominence in the military arrangement of the enemy. And there are some things that just aren't that important, that we call them underlings. They're servants to the big dogs. <clears throat> so to give you an example, that, uh, this. that is inferior demons that serve the aims of the strong man. A thorough study of scriptures coupled with the experience of those who have been doing this work for decades produces a list of strong men. There are six that we're going to go over in this class. So, for instance... Anger. Anger is a sin. Um, There's a spirit of anger. And yet, the Bible doesn't indicate that anger is a big dog. What's most common for anger is if somebody deals with anger, that's what we see, right? If you deal with somebody for any any amount of time, you'll see their anger. And you go, well, you know what his main problem is, is that he's angry. That's his main problem. Because that's what you're dealing with. It's up in your face. That's not really his main problem. Anger is an underling that protects the mafia boss at the back of the Italian restaurant. And at the back of the restaurant, fear is back there. And anger 
is protecting the mob boss. And so he's, hey, wise guy, you know, he's doing this stuff up in your face. And, and we want to know the difference between an underling and a strong man, because if I can deal with the strong man, Jesus said this in Luke 11, if I can bind the strong man in the back of the restaurant, everybody else will go, I guess, I guess the gig is up. Are we done here? We're going to go off to find different jobs because we just took your boss out. And so um, I would much rather deal with fear in that guy than spend all my time getting him to change his behavior about anger. And there's better ways to deal with your anger, blah, blah, blah. I'm not interested in that. Let's deal with the fear back there. Make sense? Good. All right. Doorways for the enemy. This is something that we're going to deal with every time. So, again, we're going to have a week on fear. And we will present to you possible doorways for a spirit of fear. If you've ever had a car accident or been through a traumatic event, that's an opportunity for a spirit of fear to enter. If you've ever been in a car wreck before, you know what it was like the next time you got behind the wheel of a car. You felt more afraid about driving than you ever felt in your life. You think, you think everybody on the road is out to smash you. Where would that come from? Well, that's a normal thing for people to do. Okay, well, that destroys people's lives, that fear. It can destroy people's lives. And so that would be one example. There's a doorway. A traumatic event is a doorway for fear to come in. Um, if, if mom had a very problematic birth, when you were born, there was a lot of upheaval about your birth. Mom almost died on the operating table, et cetera, et cetera. That's a doorway for a spirit of fear to come in. I'm just throwing you out a couple examples. So we, every time we, we hit a new topic, we're going to give you the list of all the doorways we've collected about what might, you know, again, we're just trying to help you connect dots so you can see Wow, those diseases are in my family. Oh, I've actually experienced that disease. Wow, about seven of those doorways are, occurred for me. Well, then you can just sort of, you know, connect the dots. Go, wow, this might be happening for me. So entries for the enemy would include generational entry points. That's the number one thing on everything that we go over is look through your generations. Look up your family tree. Because we believe that spiritual DNA works exactly like physical DNA. As you can see from my skin, I don't have any black parents. You could just see that by looking at me. Because their DNA is the only gene pool that I have access to. So there was nobody in my family. I didn't have two parents with blonde hair. You have to have two parents with blonde hair to get blonde hair. Something there's something like that. I don't know. Maslow somewhere back there. Um, so you can look at my DNA and go, well, somebody was tall, somebody, somewhere back there. I'm not the first person in my family line to be tall. Somebody was tall. I got it from somewhere. Similarly, the Bible teaches over and over and over again that spiritual DNA is passed down through generations and that those things travel through blood. What do you know? Science is starting to tell us that now, too. They're starting to say um, murder might be uh, in DNA. That might be coded into DNA. 
Well, I knew that already, but I've got good news for those people because I know somebody who can change DNA. He can change DNA. He, he very interested in blood, my God. He likes blood a lot, and he's very interested in blood, and he can change blood like that. And so we, we encourage you to keep looking up generational change. So it says generations, where am I? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Traumatic events or oaths you've spoken, which can produce all sorts of spiritual shenanigans, my word. Other doorways may include, there's a list there you can read at your leisure. As we prepare to investigate the strong men and all the doorways of their entry, ask the Holy Spirit to show you places where you need healing and deliverance now. He's in the process of saving you all the way. And it ain't all going to happen in the next 12 weeks or however long this class is. But you can ask him as we go along, Lord, where do you... And you're going to engage on all of these, by the way. You're going to engage. You think, well, there's no occult in my past. Yes, there is. Um, you'll see it, that there is, and you're going to engage with all of them. But as we go, I would encourage you to be asking the Lord, now which of these is a real particular that you want to be dealing with in me in this season of my life? I'm talking about outside this class. I'm talking about after this class is over. I'm talking about as you go. Lord, what are you doing in me? I just want, I just want you to take it at your pace. You're the one who judges me. Lord, what do you say? What do you want, what do you want to deal with in me? As he does, we'll repent together, and we'll walk out into freedom and salvation like we've never known before. Going to be awesome. Finally, know this as we walk into our Jesus-bought authority and deal with the enemy, repenting and receiving. The Lord is our deliverer. He gave himself that name. I didn't name him that. He gave himself that name so that I would understand what he wanted to be like in my life. He says, I am your deliverer. That means if you're in prison in any area of your life, if you're in a prison right now, have I got good news for you. There's someone whose very name is his job title, and that is he's a rescuer. He likes delivering people. He doesn't say to you, well, you did it again. I told you not to go over there. I told you not to say that again. You looked at it again, or whatever he's going to say. He says, my name is Deliverer. I'm waiting for people to call on my name. And I will come into the room, and I will bring healing in my wings, and we will deal with it. Now, that's good news. I, want you to, I don't want you to be overwhelmed, as we've talked about all demons, devil, blah, 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 tonight. I don't walk in here and go, well, devil's pretty tough. He's pretty big. I do want you to know that. He's way bigger than you, but I want you to walk out of here going, I have a God who's going to deliver me from the foulest craphead that was ever conceived in the universe. He's a cosmic-sized jerk, loserville. And I have a God whose greatest desire toward me is to come and save me to the uttermost. Jesus said, I came to save you and to save you to the uttermost. He's not done saving me. And he's not done saving you. His name is Deliverer. And as sure as I'm standing here, I will go get myself into more trouble after tonight. And I know the Bible verses, but I'm a sinner. 
and I will go against myself. I will hurt myself. I will lock myself up into chains. As sure as I'm standing here, I wish that wasn't true, but I just know I've been around. I just know that's going to be true. And when that happens, I know I have a deliverer. That's what he wants to do. That's what he loves to do, is set us free. This is the salvation that has been afforded us. It is God. It is God's will that we walk in freedom. Know that he wants that for you, and he will deliver you. Some great verses. I, I, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. You want to talk about strongholds, says David? I'll talk to you about strongholds. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He's my stronghold. He's my strong tower, and nobody will break in. He's the one who gives me a secure place. We talk about the enemy making a stronghold. I have a stronghold, and it's the name of the Lord. Of whom shall I fear? I love David. But you, O sovereign Lord, deal well with me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. And here's a, here's a five-word memory verse everybody could memorize. Psalm 3.8. From the Lord comes deliverance. Well, that's a good one. Psalm 3.8. From the Lord comes deliverance. You will be memorizing scripture in this class, by the way. His word is our sword. And for you to leave that thing on the ground and go, I think I can go into battle pretty good without the sword. You are a moron. <laughs> and I'll see you when you have one arm left. I'll see you come see me when you got one arm left. And I'll say, you got one arm left to pick up the damn sword that you dropped down there. You're going to need the sword. He gave that to you. We're supposed to fight with that thing. And you need these scriptures. David said, I've hidden your words in my heart, God, so that I will not sin against you. Now, that, that, that makes sense now to me. I, I had to memorize that verse as a kid, and it was just, and it was, we were, had to memorize it. It's like, now be a good kid and don't sin. That's what this Bible verse teaches you. No, this Bible verse teaches me that with God's word, I can bat the enemy down. I can use the scriptures the same way Jesus did when he was tempted in John 4. What did he have? Scriptures. And when the enemy came against him, he went, chuk, chuk, chuk. he was like, Zorro. Done. Done. Done with you. Adios. I want to be that way with the Lord's word. I want you to be that way with the Lord's word. And you are going to set up stakes in your heart with scriptures. You're going to repeat your... I know I'm getting these looks saying, I don't memorize Scripture. Well, you're going to memorize Scripture. And you're going to quote them to your drill group every time you get together with your drill group. The first question that will be asked of you when you walk in the door is, what verse did you memorize? And you will be given options. You've been given about 40 wonderful options tonight. And you could say, I'll take uh, Psalm 3.8. From the Lord comes deliverance. I'll say, go for it, baby. No problem. But I want you to have that scripture in your heart for the rest of your life. Whatever's going on in your life, you can say, I don't know much, but I know this. From the Lord comes deliverance. All right. Hey, we can, we can, we can build on that. That's good. That's a winner. Um, I want you guys to know that when you start, when you, we come here next week, um, We'll, we will start in on our first skill, which is repentance. We'll be, you'll hear a lecture about how repentance works. 
you will then go into drill groups and you will repent. You will do it. And you'll not only practice repenting, you're going to practice helping other people to repent. Because that's, that's what becoming fluent means. Not only can I get it for me, I can give it. And so that's what your drill groups are going to be like. Your drill group leaders, um, if all goes well in your group, they shouldn't have to talk very much. They should just go, okay, do it. And you're going to walk in the door and go, well, because we're going to give you a list every week of some homework that you're going to have to do. And that when you walk into your drill group, you're just going to start reporting your homework and just telling people, well, I did this and I did this. Okay, this says that we have to repent to each other right now. Okay, let's start doing it. And you're just going to walk through that stuff together. It's going to be so good. I hope you are excited. I might be asking too much. I hope you at least know what's going on. How about that? I hope you know what's going on. I would love it if you were excited, but I'm going to bless you anyways, okay? So can I bless you? Well, I could bless 40% of you. <laughs> I'll, bless the, I'll bless everybody. If you want it, you can take it, okay? Um, here's the blessing. May it be to you that as the Lord is coming for you, He is coming for you. Psalm 23 says, Your goodness and your mercy will chase me down all the days of my life. He's coming for you. May it be that as the Lord comes after you, you will have the grace to open the doors for him. I don't know why I can't get through this blessing. This must be a winner. <clears throat> that you'll have the grace to let him in. May it be that God would give you the grace to be strong against yourself when you need to be. That you'd be able to speak against your flesh and speak power to your own soul. That you would agree with God's spirit as he works in you. May you tether yourself to the vision that we've described tonight, which is, it is my destiny to be conformed into the image of His Son. And may you never let go of that. And no preacher and no Christian book and no BSer on cable would ever dissuade you from the promise that God has sacrificed His Son to give you. I bless you that as you just walk through this class, you receive the Lord's word with submission and openness, that you would feel him coming closer and closer to you. That you would be able to say honestly to people, I feel the nearness of the Lord. I'm seeing the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. May none of your efforts toward this class or this material be wasted. May none of your time be wasted by coming here or into your drill groups. May it be efficient from beginning to end. May the Lord build you with uh, his knowledge and experience that comes from obedience. And I, I just bless you with patience as you walk through this. May you not be uh, anxious about any of this. Receiving the Lord as you go and know 
He knows how to grow me up. He'll do it in his time. I can trust him. And I just bless you as brothers and sisters of mine and as fellow soldiers. Let's go get them. Uh, I didn't pray, so I'll pray. Lord, we, we love you so much. How kind of you to be in the deliverance business. How kind of you to look at each of these people. You know every one of their names. You know, all of our stories, Lord, you know, all of our rebellions and our idiocy. The whole whole thing's laid out to you. You know all these people. And you'd love them. I bless you for the generosity of your heart, God, your patience toward us. The fact that you don't give up. You just will not give up on us. Thank you for the love you have for your bride. We want to see it. I, want to, I would like to experience the love that you have for your bride in this room this semester. You're great. Amen. Okay. Thanks for being here. You can come complain to me at your leisure. And uh, we'll see you Tuesday night. Yes.